1: Today, as we continue the book of Ephesians, I want to ask this question Have you ever felt like you don't fit in? Like you don't belong? Like you're not in the right place? This is a question that many of us have asked ourselves because deep in our heart, there is a longing for belonging. Amen. And I know exactly how this feels because my name is Pradeepan Jeeva Manohar and Sivaretnam, and I grew up in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. My family immigrated from a tropical island, Sri Lanka, to Minnesota in America in the wintertime. Talk about not feeling like you belong. And I'm so thankful. You know, today is the 4th of July. And I know there are a lot of different thoughts about America. But I want to say, coming from a refugee family, our family is very thankful for this nation. We're very thankful thankful for the opportunities and the protection from a civil war that was going on in the nation, and we were able to start afresh, and this whole idea, though, of immigrating and being refugees and starting fresh meant language, culture, humor. It was very difficult to break in. I want to show you a picture of my high school days, and I want to ask you, can you find me? Can you see me? I am the one, if you follow me here, it's going to be hard to track, but if you go all the way to the, the bottom row where the people are on their knees and go all the way to the left, okay, all the way to the left, I'm wearing brown pants and like a collared shirt, and that that's me. I'm holding some sort of purple thing. This is, uh, and Ben Block is the guy to my left. He actually spoke with his wife last week. He shaved his head for a bet, and then we were asked to lead worship at a, a women's conference, so. Praise the Lord. Can we give it up for uh, that picture? (laughs) I know what it's like to feel like you don't belong, like you don't fit in. It is a crazy feeling. And maybe this morning that longing for belonging is something that's very present in your heart. We live in a time where people are looking for divisions all over the place. Maybe you don't feel rich enough, or maybe you feel like you can't relate with those who are dealing with poverty, billions of people living on a dollar a day in this world. Maybe you feel like politically you're too left to relate with a group of people or you're too right. Or maybe you feel weird because you're radically moderate and you don't feel like you resonate with either of the spectrums. I mean, maybe today you're dealing with health issues and you feel like nobody understands exactly what you're going through. Or you haven't been able to break into that group of friends. Maybe even here at church you feel like, man, I am just not spiritual enough to be with all these church people. Or maybe you feel like you're so spiritual You can't relate with those people who are new to the faith. And there is this longing for belonging, this desire to fit in. And many times we feel like we don't have a community. And this longing is natural. It's not a result of sin. If we can even backtrack to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. In Genesis 1, we see that Adam is alone with God. Sin has not entered the world Yet, and yet God says it is not good for man to be alone. You remember that scripture? And this is before any mistakes, any sin, any separation have taken place. God says it is not good for man to be alone. And we see that community was birthed out of perfection, not imperfection. Community, partnership, friendship, relationship was birthed out of perfection. And it's ingrained in every single one of us. And that's why I'm so excited for the third chapter of Ephesians. Because we see something so beautiful in the script, in the scriptures that addresses this. And I, I want to continue in Ephesians chapter 3. And we are in a series all about Ephesians. If you want to join us this summer as we read through this book in the New Testament, go to kalos.church slash Ephesians and you can see our reading plan. But let's continue. For this reason... This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes today, the first thing I want to share from the scripture is, number one, the true gospel produces diversity. You know, Paul here says, I have a mystery to reveal, something that past generations had no idea about, and it's this. That Gentiles are now heirs together with the Jewish people in God. Jewish people, what are they? Well, some would trace it back to the people of Judah. That's where we get Jewish. And the 12 tribes of Israel under Jacob who became Israel. And those are the people of Israel, this nation, this people that served Yahweh, the one God. And then there are Gentiles, which pretty simply are everybody that's not one of those people. And so the Bible shows this division throughout the scriptures between Jews and Gentiles. How many of you have heard this separation before, Jews and Gentiles. And so the scripture is really showcasing that these two groups, while they are separated, Paul's excited to say, hey, future generation, or past generations said these were separated, but now I'm revealing something that's brand new, a mystery, that the Gentiles are now members and sharers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are now one new humanity. Those who had been separated have now been Reconciled, brought together in the name of Jesus. And so the gospel, Paul says here, produces diversity, having different people groups brought together under the banner of Jesus Christ. And I I just want to say this morning, I'm so thankful that we get to be part of a diverse community of believers. I am so thankful for diversity in the church, different languages, different foods, different cultures, different beliefs, that we can come together. The gospel produces diversity. And if you don't like diversity, you're going to hate eternity. Because we know that Jesus is bringing together all tribes, all tongues, all people, and Jesus is, has the nations as an inheritance. Can I get a better amen? <laughs> Diversity is part of eternity, and so we better get on board right now. And when I look at the global church, you know, I, I'm confused when people say the church isn't diverse because it is maybe the most diverse organization in the history of the world. I mean, let me read some stats. Like in China, for example, there are about 80 million evangelical believers growing at a rate of five times the general population. Over 30,000 conversions a day take place in China alone. Pretty soon, China is going to be the number one country for Christians in the world. In the year 1900, Korea had no Protestant churches, Today, six new churches open every day in South Korea, and it is the site to nine of the largest churches in the world, some with more than 800,000 members. In Brazil, 100 years ago, there were no evangelical churches, and now there are over 50 million now, or 50 million evangelical believers now. Africa is looking to be the first majority Christian continent that appeared in the last century. And more Muslims in Iran have come to Christ since 1980 than in the previous thousand years combined. If you don't like diversity, you're going to hate eternity. Because this is part of our kingdom. We serve a God where there are no second class citizens in the kingdom of God. We serve a God that is coming back for all the nations, all the languages. Amen. And this is a beautiful part. And uh, I, I love that there is true diversity in the church. You know, growing up in Minnesota, like I said, I had a hard time fitting in. I had a hard time really belonging in school, in my city, in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. I honestly didn't have a lot of friends my age until I became part of the church. Until I became a follower of Jesus, where I had been rejected by my friends in school because I didn't understand the jokes very well. I didn't understand the language very well. I started going to a church service in my high school years, and I felt like people embraced me as a brother in Christ. Oh, I went to a country singing church in Minnesota. I mean, literally, it was steel guitars, people wearing cowboy hats, and Pradeep and Jimanoharan, and I never felt like I belonged more than I did in that church in my life. Because it was a group of people that accept me, accepted me as a brother in Christ. And that is a beautiful picture. And we bowed our knees to the Lord, and we sang with a twang. And the Lord was glorified. Can I get a better yeehaw? Amen, amen. You know, uh, you know, and that's why it's so confusing to me. You know, even as we're going through this book of Ephesians, we're just following what the scripture says. And how can you not talk about racism when it talks about Jews and Gentiles being one in Christ? And whenever I bring up the idea of racism in church or on Facebook or things like that, people will say to me, Pradeepin, now just preach the gospel. Don't talk about these issues of racism. Just preach the gospel. Have you ever heard about that? You can't preach the gospel without talking about racism. I would have to ignore this scripture, and we're going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians all summer. I would have to ignore the subject of racism to preach the Bible. So when you say just preach the gospel, but don't talk about God reconciling all peoples together under the blood and banner of Jesus Christ— I don't know how to preach that gospel because this is a ministry of reconciliation. This is a ministry of peace to all nations who Jesus is uniting us together. And and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And so uh, I talk about racism because I talk about the gospel. And we as Kalos Church, we say this boldly. uh, Jesus is good. Racism is bad. And you'd be surprised how controversial that has been on Facebook posts. I remember one time I posted that, like, no caveats, just racism is bad, Jesus is good. And within an hour, I got over 100 comments of debates. I'm like, what? This is not an argument. Don't get into the nuances. Don't bring up all these tangents. Can we just agree that Jews and Gentiles become one in Jesus Christ and that the church is beautiful and diverse? And part of the beauty is because of the diversity. And I love that, man. Even in this room, man, I love that I can eat chicken curry at my house, but then I can go somewhere else and I can have some nice kimchi. Can I get a good amen? And then I can go and top it off with a nice beverage of guarana. And all the Brazilians said amen. Come on, somebody. I love that we have this diverse community. Oh, man, it's a beautiful thing. I'm getting hungry. You know, I want to let you know, though, there is a temptation in church leadership, though, to kill diversity. People in this world, in this nation, in this state especially, will say we love diversity. And we say that until it makes us uncomfortable, right? I want to say the biggest temptation people try to put on us as pastors is, pastors, you need to kill diversity so you can please the mob. You need to kill diversity so you can please the majority, You need to kill diversity because, ah, man, did you know this person believes this or this person's talking about this? It makes me uncomfortable because in churches, we want things to be an echo chamber. We want to find a place where nobody disagrees with us. We want to find a place where it's like Facebook and the algorithms are giving us confirmation bias and telling us what we already believe. I remember talking to a pastor when we first moved here and we wanted to reach people. We hadn't started doing services yet. And he said, hey, Pastor Pradeepin, if you want to grow a big church, if you want Kalos to grow larger and reach more people, just tell people what they already believe. Be an echo chamber. Don't have true diversity. And I know we like the aesthetic of diversity, but we don't like the reality of different thoughts and tension We like it when there are different skin colors represented, but not when there are different philosophies. We have lost the art of conversation and nuance in our state. And diversity requires that we learn from one another, we have the hard conversations, and we at Kalos, we will not kill diversity to please the mob. We will not kill diversity to create an echo chamber because we know that Jesus brings Jews and Gentiles together. The Jewish people who are used to following every single law in the scripture to the point of legalism where the dead letter of the law killed the spirit of God. And these Gentiles who aren't following any of the letter of the law They weren't following the Jewish philosophies, and yet they were brought into the kingdom of God and brought their unique perspectives as they submitted to the banner of Jesus Christ. And this is important for us to understand because we at Kalos Church, we as the kingdom of Christ, we do not have uh, true biblical diversity by allowing everything and anything into the church. That is not. And so point number two, what I want to say is like this. The true gospel produces unity. In verse 6, Paul says it like this. He says, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. I want you to notice this line. He says, it's through the gospel that we come together as one people in Christ. It's through the gospel. And so we have been taught as a culture that true unity comes by allowing everything. But in the kingdom of God, our unity comes by submitting everything to the name of Jesus Christ. So diversity doesn't come in the kingdom and through the church by allowing everything, but by submitting everything to Jesus. And this is really important because the scripture says that through the gospel, the two become one. Through the gospel, we are being built together with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone in this building. Amen. And so we must recover that because we live in a time where people are tolerant of everything but intolerance. But we must remember that we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the banner that we raise proudly, and we say that there is no other name but Jesus Christ. And so our unity doesn't come by looking towards one another, but by looking at Jesus together And it's a beautiful thing. And I I love what Paul says in verse 3. And I, I think it explains this. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. See, Paul, he was in a physical prison because he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was in a physical prison because he saw himself as a prisoner of Christ. He wasn't a prisoner of the government. He wasn't a prisoner of the culture. He was an prisoner of Christ. And I I think we need to really understand that because vision, right, whenever you cast vision for an organization, you have to understand that vision by nature is exclusive. And our vision is Jesus. We believe he is the way, the truth, and the life. And all are welcome to follow him. But like I said, our unity doesn't come by allowing everything but by submitting everything to Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, I am a prisoner of Of Christ. And I I love this because I resonate with it. There's so many things in our life that are telling us to live this way or that way. There are so many things in my life that are trying to trap me into this. This is what the government says or this is what culture says. And it can be kind of distraught. It can be kind of scary. Like, how am I going to get canceled today? Have you ever thought that? Who am I going to upset today? Like, all right, the government's telling me to do this, and if I, if I don't follow this perfectly, or the culture's telling me to do this, and if I don't do this perfectly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to displease someone. I'm going to hurt someone. I'm going to offend someone. And I, I just love that Paul here says, you know what? I'm a prisoner of Christ. You might have me in a physical jail, but I am a prisoner of Christ, and I'm doing this. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm willing to suffer the consequences because I love Jesus Christ so much. I am confined to his words, to his values, that I'm willing to pay any consequences for the sake of this gospel and this mystery, the fact that all are welcome to follow Jesus together. And this can be kind of scary because Jesus' words are scary. They make us uncomfortable. They convict us. They expose us. It's like when you're walking around in the dark and then someone shines a spotlight on you and you're like, I, oh, I can't see anything. My world, world has been changed. This is so uncomfortable. And even in the days of Jesus, Jesus would say some things that made the people following him walk away. Jesus would say things our culture hates today. I mean, remember when Jesus said, I tell you this, if you even look at a woman with lust, you are committing adultery. Remember that? And, and this is something in our world of pornography that would just not be accepted. How dare you put any boundaries on sexuality, Jesus? People should be able to look at whatever they want, do whatever they want. But Jesus says, if even you look at a woman that's the same as adultery, that's the same as cheating on your wife, right? Culture would not allow that. Culture would not respect that. Our government wouldn't respect that. Just do whatever you want. Look at whatever you want. It makes us uncomfortable. And and another scripture, remember Jesus, he says, hey, remember the Jewish people were living under a Roman occupation, so they weren't controlling themselves. The Roman government was controlling them. And Jewish Uh, People were under this, like, basic, you know, suppression by the government. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, if a a Roman soldier comes up to you and says, hey, carry my armor for me for a mile, what does Jesus say to do? He says, go the extra, right? So if the government puts restrictions on you, if the government is exercising their authority in a way that seems a little oppressive to you, what does Jesus say? He says, hey— Now that you're free, because legally they only had to go one mile, Jesus says, go the extra mile. Do it from your freedom. Let yourself become a slave because you're free. This would not be popular in our culture today. Are you kidding me? Go the extra mile when it comes to what they would have called tyranny from the government. This is our Jesus, and he makes both the left and the right so uncomfortable, doesn't he? Because our Christianity is not confined to a political party, and neither is Kalo's church. I want to let you know, we will never be left or right to satisfy the masses. We will not kill the political diversity in this church to satisfy the masses, because we're not left or right, we are salt and light We are not neutral. We are peculiar. We are people who lay down everything to follow Jesus. Why? Because we're prisoners of Jesus Christ. I might be in a physical prison, but I'm doing this For the sake of the gospel, I'm doing this to follow Jesus and Jesus alone. I will not let the government or the culture confine me because it's already taken. I'm confined by Christ. The vacancy has already been filled because I submit to the banner of Jesus Christ. And I say that vision by nature is exclusive. And my vision is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life and all are welcome to follow him. Our unity isn't coming by allowing everything, but by submitting everything to Jesus Christ. I love that. So we will go the extra mile. And even Jesus, he says, when people are kind of disturbed by his words, Jesus says, as he watches disciples walk away from him. John 666, 6, 6, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. People are walking away. And then In verse 67, so Jesus asked the 12, do you want to leave too? And then Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. I so resonate with that because there are times where I am so confused with what the Lord is doing. I'm so confused with his timing. I'm even confused with some of the morality in the Bible. But I say, Lord Jesus, To whom shall I go? You have the words of life. If you tell me to stand on my head, I will do it. Because I've lived in a lifestyle where truth is all relative. I've lived in a lifestyle without a foundation. And for someone like me, that was extremely dangerous. That was extremely scary. I I have so many questions. I'm like, Lord, my son, he has special needs. Why aren't you healing him? Why aren't you helping him? Why do you perform this miracle over here but not here? Lord, I should just reject you. Lord, if I've been serving you the majority of my life, and you can't even do this small miracle. I'm going to walk away from you. I'm angry. Sometimes I feel like, Lord, I hate you so much. I felt that in the depths of my heart. Why can't you just answer this simple prayer? But then I'm like, Lord, to whom shall I go? You have the words of life. You've been so good to me. I have seen your miracles. I have seen your foundation. I've seen your standards, and I will not just praise you on the mountaintops, but I will praise you in the valley... I will praise you in the darkness. I will praise you when I'm hurting. I will praise you when I'm rejoicing because you alone have the words of life. And by my choice, I will become a prisoner of Christ. Even when I'm in a physical prison, even for the sake of your gospel, I'm being confined. Even when the government is putting me here, even when culture is putting me here, Lord, I will, I will die for you. I will live for you. I choose to become a prisoner of Christ. Where else will I go? Do you see yourself as a prisoner of Christ? Because I'm telling you, there's no greater freedom than being a prisoner of Christ. There's no greater freedom than laying it all down to follow Jesus. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Can we give it up for the Lord? And so I I know we live in a time where, where we don't fit in. We don't feel like we belong in. We're in good company. We're like Jesus. They always try to give him a, is it this or this? And he's like, what about this third option? Hey, Jesus, is it this or is it this? Hey, it's time for a fun story. <laughs> like, wow, Jesus, could you just answer my question? He's like, yeah. Let me tell you something about this kid who ran away from home. What? Jesus, stop with the stories. Just give me, give me a sound bite. He's like, no. And in this time, I want, I want to challenge you. When you pick up your cross and decide to follow Jesus, it, it's going to come at a cost. That, that, that is Christianity, and this, this freedom doesn't come for free. It comes at a, a great price, but I want to let you know Jesus is worth it. Living his way is worth it. The kingdom is worth it. These nations we live in, they will come and go, and we celebrate America, but we serve a kingdom that will never be shaken. It's the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and I I, I love America. I, I love living in this nation, and I know we have a lot of mistakes. I know we have a long ways to go, but who doesn't criticize the thong- things that they love, right? It's because we believe things can get better, and so we fight for it. If we've lost all hope for this nation, why would we fight? Let's just let it burn. Let's let's crash it ourselves. But because we're servants of Christ, because we believe things can get better, we fight for the kingdom to come to earth. We don't have an escapist mentality. We say, like we pray today, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But it will come at a a great price. It will come at a cost. But my heart, I I think I learned this in the pandemic when I felt like I was just making everybody mad. At some point, you just got to make a decision. Lord, I'd rather be spiritually correct than politically correct. I mean, at some point, when you you feel like you're a referee in the middle of a game, no matter what call you make, half the audience is going to hate you. So you might as well be spiritually correct than try to dance around all this stuff and be uh, politically correct. And so we'll never be left or right to satisfy the masses, but but we will be heaven-focused. Amen? Third thing I see in Ephesians 3 is this. The true gospel must be proclaimed. In verse 7, He says, I became a servant of this gospel. I love that phrase. You know, we've spent a lot of time letting the gospel serve us, but at some point we need to grow up, mature, and become servants of the gospel. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. I love this. He says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God needs to be proclaimed, not only for the people of the world to see, but those principles and authorities in heavenly realms would see it. Our message through the church is so important. I believe that the Lord wants to reveal his mysteries to the world through all the universe, through the church. And I I like that Paul, he describes himself in various ways with such humility in the scripture. He says, I'm a prisoner of Christ. He says, I'm just a member of the body. This is someone who wrote most of the New Testament. And he says, I am the least of the Lord's people. And I wonder why he said that. It might have been because... Before Paul became a follower of Jesus, he was a persecutor of the church. Do you remember that? Paul spent his time killing people who followed Jesus. I want you to notice he never went to jail for that. (laughs) He never went to jail for killing people who followed Jesus. As soon as he started preaching Jesus, he went to jail. He also, I wonder if he regretted this in his heart, he also caused people to blaspheme the name of Jesus to renounce and denounce their faith. And so here he is. I wonder if he's carrying that baggage. I am the least of the Lord's people. Look at all this harm I've done. And maybe you here are feeling that today. Maybe that's why you you feel like you don't belong, because you know your past. You know your history. You don't feel capable. You don't feel like you have enough skill and you're like, ah, if only I could be like this person or that person. I could really make a difference for this world. I could really advance the kingdom. I could really preach the gospel if I was younger, if I was older, if I was cooler, if I, if I had more of these standards, if I, if I knew more of what was happening in the world, if I could articulate myself, then maybe I could do this if I, if I didn't have a history. But I love that in the scripture, Paul allowed God to move him past his past, to make known this mystery of the reconciliation of the gospel, that Jesus Christ unites us all together. He moved us past our past together. Can I get a good amen? And I want to let you know that today you might be feeling like the Lord can't use you, but this is his intention, that through the church, and that's us, the world would know the manifold wisdom of God. That's a beautiful thing. Through the church that is made up of people, The Lord would communicate his plan for the entire world. He's willing to move past our past. Are you willing to? And I I, I just want to share that we have work to do. And I want to show you this puzzle piece. You know, this this is actually a puzzle piece from our house. And uh, our son, he loves putting puzzles together. And sometimes we will have this beautiful picture. We're working on it. And we get to the last piece, right? Have you ever been here? And you try to complete this beautiful picture, but the last piece is missing. And I know this puzzle is for my son, but as a dad, I am so angry. I start to rage. Are you kidding me? We're painting this beautiful train, and the last piece is missing? Who did this? Was it you, two-year-old Nala? Was it you? How dare you? Repent. Repent. And this beautiful picture that we're painting and putting together is ruined because one piece is missing. I don't care if the piece is weird. I don't care if the piece is a little bit damaged. The picture isn't complete until all the puzzle pieces are placed together. And I want you to know that you are part of the church as you follow Jesus Christ. And the church desperately needs what you have to offer. The world desperately needs to see the power of unity in the church. The divided world needs a unified church to declare the glories and beauty of Jesus Christ. You have a part to offer. This puzzle piece represents every single one of us. And if you don't know where you fit in, if you don't know where you belong, there's a place for you at the table of Jesus. There really is. I never felt unity like I have in the church. I never felt like I fit in until I came face-to-face with Jesus, and I said, Lord, I I submit all of my life to you. Lord, let me die. Would you resurrect me as a new creation and shape me to fit into what you are building? There is a place for you, friend. And uh, I want to let you know that 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 puzzle piece that's missing hurts the entire picture. And I know many of us are we have our questions about faith and especially we have our, our questions about the church, especially as we've dealt with church hurt. I've been there. And we, we say the church has hurt me a lot, especially as a culture. But I, I want to ask you this question. Have you hurt the church? Because if the church is missing the puzzle piece that is you, we're hurting. We need your diversity, we need your gifts. We need your talents. Yes, many of us have experienced hurt from the church, but the church is made out of people like you and me. Are you hurting the church by not investing into it, by not showing up for it, by not building it? And I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just saying, we need you. The world needs us to declare this mystery because a lot of people are still living in confusion and darkness, still living in the mystery, that we can be made one in Christ. Amen. Let me pray this prayer. Oh, Lord. Oh, God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations Into your fold. Pour out your spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. Can we give it up for Jesus who unites us, who sets
0: us free? Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.shirts. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.